Hello and welcome to this fourth edition of the Lakerside Chats. We are bringing back the first guest on the show, Jabari Davis. He is obviously, as we said previously, on Hot Takes and Shot Fakes, done a load of stuff. Jabari, how are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing better than the Lakers currently are, but uh, not quite, <laughs> not that much better. Not, not that much better. How about yourself? Thanks again for having me. Oh, no, thank you for coming on. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I was expecting Ty Lue to be the head coach by now, but that's not happening anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, they kind of rain made us a little bit. They, uh, well, I mean, do, do you want to just start there or is that? <laughs> yeah, let, let's just go into it. Let's just go. Ty Lue, what the hell happened? <laughs> hey, your guess is as good as mine because here's the deal. I, you know, the, the Lakers would, I, I think, I, I think my, my immediate response was they can't get out of their own way and uh, you can't make this mess up. And here's what I meant by that. If Ty Lue is not going to be the guy, then why did you flirt with them to begin with? Why would you set yourself up as an organization for that type of disappointment? Why would you set your fan base up for that continued level of disappointment? And why would you set your star, your current star player up coming off of the most disappointing year of his career, coming with the most unacceptable result thus far? Why would you set him up for this level of disappointment? So I haven't answered your question, but the reason why I'm answering it this way is it leads me to believe Maybe there is something to these, you know, these rumors that they that there's at least someone within the organization that wants to go ahead and and part ways with LeBron James, which sounds absolutely crazy. And I do apologize for completely going on that tangent. But I, I, you know, to answer your question, I don't know because it 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 very it's very obvious to me Ty Lue was not the guy that they wanted because if they wanted him, they could have had him. From what it seems like from my perspective, and the tangent's fine because I feel like we would have touched on that at some point anyway. What I feel like happened was you had a distinct core of the group who wanted Ty Lue. And I don't want to speculate, but I can assume that would be the younger Bus brothers. And I even think Rob Palinka from everything that's been, you know, from Woj's side and, you know, just looking at the report. And I think Rob Palinka wanted him as well. But then we have to go to Jeannie. And her special advisor. I don't know if you've seen the Stephen A. Smith video talking about Linda Rambis. I have not, but but I will I will find it after this pod. It is the greatest thing I've ever seen, and I think it sums up all of Laker fans' uh, feelings towards Linda and who why she's so pivotal. And while I do get that Jeannie trusts her and confides in her, how the hell is she making such a big decision in this Lakers organization? That I, I can't fathom it. I, I, I again for the life of me, I don't understand what's going on there. I do not understand. Look, I, I, I just came off of hot taste and shot fakes. I we literally just wrapped recording, and I ended the show by saying, you know, <laughs> you know, by acknowledging all of this and and talking about a lot of the things that you know we're we're going to discuss here. But for the life of me, I just don't understand you know what's going on there. You know, is it, it, look. You're going into an offseason that, honestly, this is without hyperbole, the greatest, the biggest, the most monumental offseason that this franchise has seen over the last 25 years, if not throughout the run of the Bus family reign. And you still don't have any type of stability at the top of the organization. You still have not come out to the public and expressed, this is what we've got going on. 
You still have people completely, you know, you know j- just rolling with whatever rumor comes out. You're not you're not controlling the narrative. You're not doing anything in order to solidify yourself, in order to make yourself even look appealing to free agents. And I know we're probably going to get there, but you, you, like I, I just, you know, for the life of me, I'm just confused. I mean, my biggest thing with all of this is, I, I honestly, it's it's one thing to not want Tyloo. It's a second thing to decide this is the guy we want, which is what they decided, or a majority of them decided, if nothing else. And then, A, to lowball the guy in an offer of money, uh, uh, the only NBA championship coach available, and B, yep. to only offer him three years. <laughs> it's when, lunacy. When the standard has been five for, a, you know, for, you know, for, you know, for all of these new coaches that are coming out. Luke Walton just got a five-year deal from the Kings. Luke Walton previously got a five-year deal from you with no head coaching experience. You know what I'm saying? Like Byron Scott, just before that, no NBA titles to his you know, to his credit. A couple finals runs back in the day, but nothing nothing along the lines of what Ty Lue has just recently done. You gave him a four year deal. Mike Brown, two coaches before that, you gave you had given him a five year deal. So to come out and give you know, offer you know Tyron Lue a three year deal and say that he's got to have Kid on the staff and say that he's got to have Rambus on the staff again if those you know reports are true that's just absurd to me that's just absolutely absurd to me and quite frankly when I talked up when I when I spoke about you know controlling the narrative this is actually part of the frustration with your fan base again because why would you set them up to think that Ty Lue was the guy once you didn't get Monty Williams and you know we can you know we can debate we can debate that another time. Why would you set them up to think this if he wasn't going to be the guy? It just doesn't make any sense to me. So when I look at this, and I'm whether I'm a, an opposing, you know, whether I'm a free agent out there, whether I'm a agent out there, what you know, opposing GM, I look at the Lakers organization and I say, well, this is an absolute joke, and thank you very much for making our jobs easier. The the only thing with all of this is, I for the life of me, Tyloo, according to Chris Haynes and. Chris Haynes' camp is obviously very close with LeBron, if you mm-hmm. actually read between the lines on, you know, I don't want to say it for 100% because you never know, but, you know. It, it appears that way for sure. It appears that way, if not with LeBron with Rich Paul. He said that Ty Lue had agreed to have Jason Kidd and Kurt Rambis on his staff Jeez. and Frank Vogel. We'll get to Frank <laughs> Vogel later. But he agreed to have all of these people on his staff. The f- biggest sticking point was the fact that you insulted him so much with such a low ball offer. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It, it just smacks of incompetence. The thing that we were always thinking is Rob Polinka potentially a smart guy behind the scenes. Uh, if he he might he might still be, but he doesn't have enough power to show that. That's what it looks like from the outside. It looks like even though we got rid of Magic Johnson, there's still a power struggle going on within the Lakers as to who's deciding what's going on. It's crazy. Alan, Alan, I got one for you. This is a summer where I'm just going to throw some names out there. You could you could see KD, Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, Kimber Walker, AD, uh, uh, Clay, and even a few other big names. Kawhi. Kawhi. Thank you. We're going to see, you know, you could like, you know, they, they could likely be on the move. If the Lakers don't get some semblance of stability at the head of this snake, they're not going to get any of them. 
and I recognize Lakers fans don't want to hear that. I know they're going to say like, "Oh, you're, you're like, hey, this is a Lakers you know podcast. Why would you? Why would you spread such negativity? Look, it's not going to. It's not going to not happen because I said it. I'm just reporting the facts before they take place. The Lakers are not going to be in a true conversation for any of those guys if you don't get some sort of stability at the top of this organization. If you don't at least make it appear as though you've got some stability at the top of this organization. And I got another one for you. Not only are you not going to get any of them. You're going to struggle to even. Uh, you're going to struggle to get guys that, that are considered mid-tier guys, like Chris Middleton. If you're Chris Middleton and you make a deep run with Milwaukee this year, are you going to leave that situation and then come jump in the mix with the, with these Lakers? Hell no, hell no. I I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be the Mister Doom and Gloom. I'm simply stating this because there's still time. Because there is still look, the Lakers still have LeBron James. They still have young pieces. They still have cap space. There are some pieces. There are there are reasons to want to get into this mix, but not as it's currently you know constructed. Well, the thing with that is, we have LeBron. LeBron is actively going out and recruiting people right now. <laughs> He's the only adult in the room. It's what Anthony Irwin said. I don't know if you read his recent uh, article. Not yet, but yeah, that's amazing. He. Uh, He's basically said that this is what happens when you put children in a room and they're in charge of everything. Obviously not children in their age, but in the way they act. Well, in, in their experience, in it, it, you know what? I'll, go, I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback that. Maybe not in their age and no disrespect intended, but in their ability to get the job done so far, in their capability, in, in what they've shown from a capability standpoint, they, they, you know, they, they absolutely seem to be in it at an infant stage. And, and like this you, is the Los Angeles Lakers that we're talking about. What are we doing here? And like you said, even though it is very negative, we're coming at this from the point that we're Lakers fans. Yes. <laughs> we want this we want this franchise to be winning every year. We want them to be the best of the best because realistically, if you look at the city we're in, if you look at the infrastructure behind us, we should be the best of the best. But we're the laughing stock of the NBA right now. And for anyone to think anything other than that. It's just downright delusional right now. It's crazy. Look, my co-host, uh, Josh Everly, great guy. Uh, if, if you folks out there on Twitter, follow him. Good guy, right? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, he, I follow him too. He points out all the time, y'all are spoiled. He's talking, speaking of us, y'all are spoiled. Y'all are coming from the exceptionalism you know, standpoint. And he's right. We are. But quite frankly... You know what? I won't. I will not use profanity on your podcast. <laughs> Quite frankly, I don't give a darn. You're right. This is the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm about to turn 40 here in less than a month. I, I actually tweeted about this, you know, not too long ago as well. The Lakers won 10. Have won 10 titles in my life. They've played in another, I think, seven finals over the course of you know, over the course of that stretch. They've played in the conference finals another couple years. I'm spoiled. You're darn right. This is a joke, and they need to get this stuff together. If my biggest thing with it is, it's I, I just I honestly the the worst thing is, yeah, we're spoiled. There is an exceptionalism to it, but whoever you ask, Bob Myers was putting out feelers, and he was actively trying to get that Lakers job. Amazing. And we said no. Masai Ujiri was putting out feelers. So it's not even exceptionalism to the point that it's just us fans thinking this. Everyone within the basketball circles realizes the biggest job in a front office situation is being the president of basketball operations for the LA Lakers. Yep. And we have blundered this to the point where we have 
But tweets Kurt Rambis, he is making the major decisions in our franchise. <laughs> Look, I don't mean any disrespect to Kurt Rambis. I don't mean any disrespect to Linda Rambis or, uh, you know, Tim Harris or any of those folks. But relying upon like, oh, I'm most comfortable with them. This is a family business. All of that stuff. They were able to get away with that during the 80s and 90s because they also had innovators in the mix. They had folks that were able to see the forest beyond the trees. Jerry Buss very clearly had an, had an eye for talent and had an ability to put, you know, like you'll put things together. Jerry West at the time very clearly has probably the greatest basketball eye for talent and was able to put things together. So, yes, they were able to run things as a family operated business, but it was also because they were also at the forefront with everything else. Right now, again, I don't mean any disrespect to those, you know, to those folks, to the Lakers, you know, current consortium of power, but I don't think that they're I, I, at least from what I've seen, I don't see very much innovation there. I don't see a very much progressive thought there. All I see is people looking to kind of like, you know, like, you know, it's harden up and solidify with the folks that they're most comfortable with. But I'm quite, to be honest with you, and I mean no disrespect, but Jeannie Buss, if that's how it's going to be, as much as I said in in a most in, in my most recent article for Hoop Mag, uh, that it's not fair to ask your your family to sell this team. But if this is what it's going to be, and you're only going to stick within your comfort zone, it may be time to have that conversation. Well, I, I I don't even think. I think if we see a lack of empowerment of Joey and Jesse, I think you'll start seeing a lot more. I won't say hit pieces, but I'll see there'll be a lot more speculation about the fact that the trust. So there's six of them. There's uh, Joey, Jesse, Jim, Johnny, Jeannie, and Janie. Janie's mm-hmm. obviously on her sister's side. I could yep. see all the brothers being against Janie very and, easily because it's not just ruining the Lakers' credibility, it's ruining the credibility of the late Dr. Jerry Buss. And I feel that's why like, some of these kids will draw the line. And as, but I, I hate to say it because Janie Buss seems like a really nice person. And this is, not, this is not an admonishment on her as a person whatsoever. I feel like just on twitter or on you know, whatever podcast she goes on she just seems like a beacon of joy on and i say that honestly and heartfully mm-hmm. but as a basketball person she always says that she's not a basketball person but she keeps on putting the wrong people in charge time in and time out and this is what we gotta go as a franchise we gotta go look this way that we try to work it's not working it no. isn't we got LeBron James because he decided to come to LA, and we had Magic Johnson, who uh, we said on the, when you were on the previous show, is the greatest closer of all time. He is. If you get Magic Johnson in a room with a free agent, it's over. It's done. Especially yeah. with someone like LeBron James. But that can't. It's not enough now. With these new age of players, it's not enough. You need to have the infrastructure behind you. We don't even have a training staff yet. Yeah. Look, I don't, you know, I, I, I just want to circle circle back and reiterate, I'm not trying to be negative about Jeannie, and I know that you weren't saying that, but I just want to, you know, cl- you know clarify. I'm Absolutely. not trying to be negative about Jeannie, Absolutely. and I'm trying to be negative about the Bus family. I think, you know, ultimately, I don't think, I think I think it's kind of a moot point because I don't think that they'll sell. All I'm saying is, you know, I, I you know, agreeing exactly with what you just said. It's very clear this way is not working. So, again, step outside your comfort zone, open, you know, broaden the search 
be please be open to the idea of bringing in an actual knowledgeable and experienced basketball guy at the head of the organization. I recognize it didn't go well with you know with uh, uh you know with Magic ultimately down the stretch, but that doesn't mean you just pack up shop and just say like oh okay well it you know it, it didn't work the last time. Go out and get another person, and don't let it be you know, and, and don't just you know simply rely on Kurt and Linda because you're comfortable with them. That's what I'm saying. It's that thing where Magic Johnson, like I said, greatest point guard of all time, in my opinion. Magic Johnson, that move reeked to me. It's like if I wasn't into the NFL and I bought an NFL team and I went, Who am I going to put in charge as president of football ops? Who's the best player I know? Peyton Manning. Let's put Peyton Manning in charge of my franchise. Even though he has no experience in that role whatsoever, he's the best Mm -hmm. footballer that I know who's available. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah, it's that type of thing that we did. Bob yeah, Myers, I guarantee. I don't guarantee because I can't speak for someone. But I I I feel like even if we went to Bob Myers now and went, look, Bob, this has all happened. You know, we made a mistake. Ten million a year. Would you come and be the president of basketball ops for the Lakers? The the way John Magic Johnson was getting, I guarantee. With about eighty percent certainty, Rob Myers would at least give it a long, hard think. As long as you give him carte blanche. But Alan, that's the thing. They're out there. They're out there actively looking to hire a coach. If you if you're doing that, you're telling me you're not going to bring in a Bob Myers oh, or not, Sam exactly. Presley or any of those guys because those guys you would think would want to do that themselves. It's it's that thing where I, I don't know. It's just. It's perplexing because it seems like everyone apart from the people who are closest to the situation realize what needs to happen, but they don't. And I feel like that's the most perplexing thing for Lakers fans because it's so clear as day that it should just be an obvious thing where Bob Myers is, or Masai Ujiri, or Sam Presti, Arcee, whichever top executive you want to mention. Yeah. They all jump at a chance to be the head of the Lakers organization. I, I can guarantee it. And it's just a case of making that jump. Okay, Bob Myers is not a Lakers guy per se. He's an LA guy, though. He's a UCLA guy. He's been around Los Angeles enough that he's got ties within the city. He's a California guy his entire life. Yeah, he's, you know? I mean, he's a Northern Cali guy that from the from the start. But you're right. He went to UCLA. He's been he's been in he's you know he's he's worked in LA you know for an extended period of time as well. Look. Here, here's a question. You know what? We, we, we've just been we've just been freestyling, and I apologize for that. You, no, you can fine. absolutely your listeners can blame me for this. So here's a question: What happened to the rumors that came out a couple of weeks ago that said they were going? They had a bigger name in mind for the you know for for uh, you know, for the front office. What happened to those rumors? Kurt Rambis. <laughs> wow, I, Alan, I almost broke the rule again. <laughs> Would it surprise you that Junie thought about that? Oh my goodness! If that was the big name that they said that they had under wraps and that you know you know was in the mix, and that that if if they come out and they announced that he's essentially the de facto uh, president of basketball operations, then my goodness, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think there's any way that you can trade LeBron. But if the, if ultimately that takes place, don't be shocked if you finally hear Clutch go ahead and say, "Yeah, not only do we want out, we want out now." Well, I said it to my friend who's a fellow basketball coach. 
I went if I was LeBron James, I demand a trade right now. And if I'm as a Laker fan, I wouldn't blame him. I would not. Obviously, you have these stupid Mamba mentality people who'd be like, "Oh, he couldn't tough it out in LA." No, it's oh, completely 100%. different. It's completely <laughs> different. This situation. This is, in my opinion, James Dolan. As bad as he's been in New York, he's realized his mistakes. He's put good basketball people in charge in New York now. If you look at people who are in charge, Scott Perry and people like that, they are good basketball people now in charge. Steve Mills as well, who's the president of Basketball Ops. That you know, they've been around for a while. They know their job. They've surrounded themselves with good people. David Fisdale's is a fantastic coach. <laughs> you know, so what they've done is James Dolan has, I think, while he's a might have been bad in the past, I think he's realized where he's gone wrong, and now he's got the bright people around him. And Jeannie, who by all accounts on her own is very close to James Dolan. Look yeah. at him. It, it, it's this simple. At the at the start, I said they can't get out of their own way. James Dolan finally James Dolan finally figured out how to get out of his own way enough. I'm hoping that Jeannie and this group can do the same. I, I just, because right now, you're right. They are looking very Nickish, and I'm talking not Nickish current. I'm talking about three four years ago, Nick's when Phil Jackson uh, was there. Which is another thing. I, I, I believe, and I don't know if you've seen the latest Woj tweets, where Woj is plugging the fact that Frank Vogel was, was a favorite of Phil Jackson's when he hired Jeff Hornacek. The only reason Woj would say something like that is because Phil Jackson has some sort of pull now as well. And if he does, A, that's not good for LeBron, because we all know the history between LeBron and Phil Jackson. And B... This guy just failed. Like, he literally failed so bad in New York that they got rid of him two years into a five-year, $60 million contract. Yeah, they paid him, like, what, $20 million just to leave? Yeah, something stupid like that. They came up with a settlement of $20 million straight out the bank just to get him to leave. Look, Lakers fans are going to be – look, Lakers fans are probably going to hate me after this podcast because it's going to sound like I'm a Laker hater, but I'm really not. Like, it, it, trust me, the, the passion comes from, you know, growing up in Los Angeles. I grew up I, you know, I grew up watching the Lakers, you know, throughout the 80s and 90s, and, and here we are. But if they allow Phil Jackson to get back into this mix as, like, a silent, you know, you know, you know person, or even if he's doing the, the Jerry West role, uh, you know, where it, it's like, you know, he's really kind of making the decisions, but, you know, it, but not necessarily by name. I'm sorry. Then honestly, I'm done. I'm done. And I it, look. Am, am I gonna go cheer for the Clippers? No. Am I gonna go cheer for somebody else? No. But I'm done putting my heart and soul into an organization that would make this types of you know, this type of decision. Because if you're gonna do that, that's gonna end up being what Frank Vogel you know, as your head coach. Uh, you know, you know, make, you know, whether it's Kurt, you know, like you know, as an assistant, <laughs> or, or 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 maybe Jason Kidd. Uh, you know, Phil Jackson in, in the mix, LeBron, as you stated, that's, you know, that's oil and water. That's never going to work. Look, honestly, this is this is shaping up to look as though we just don't deserve nice things. And that and, and I and I just for the life of me don't know how we got here. We don't have an analytics department. That that's that's ludicrous. I I honestly can't believe in 2019 in this era yeah. of basketball that the biggest organization in basketball does not have an analytics department. It's well, I, th- cr- there it seems to be conflicting reports on that because like the three four years ago they you know they, they they had what was the equivalent of like a skeleton crew analytics department, but 
if but didn't didn't they start to bolster it over the last few years? They hired I, one person. They hired the head of the NBA for analytics. He stayed for six months and then left for another job. From what yikes. I know. So yeah, yikes. that that's well, how, again. Uh, not a lot of innovative thinkers in the, in that mix right now. At least it doesn't appear that way. I could be wrong. They could, they, you know what? They, 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 they could, they could tune into this podcast, sit there one day and sit in El Segundo and say, you know what? That guy Jabari is full of mess. He doesn't know anything what he's talking about. That guy Allen, he's got a, he's got a dope accent and, and, and a great disposition. But this guy Jabari doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. But I'll say this: it does not look like they've got a lot of you know progressive th- you know thinkers in that mix, and that's a scary, scary thing. And the thing is, first of all, in regards to this podcast, it does sound very freestyle and very raw because we are very raw at the moment. We had a plan, but it's just this this whole situation has it, it it's it's honestly, I think this is the straw that broke the camel's back with ninety nine percent of the fans in this organization. It, it, it this is this is incompetency that even the Knicks didn't have, in my opinion, anyway. If the Knicks wanted a f- head coach, like Jeff Hornacek, maybe he was like derided as not being a great, the greatest coaching candidate. They got it done, though. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like Phoenix Suns for how bad Robert Sarver is. They hire whatever coach they want. You, you know, it's like, this, it's incompetency that I've never seen before in the NBA. The fact that you get a coach who last week in Las Vegas celebrates his birthday with a Lakers cake. Man. And you, and you bungle it this much? There's a reason why we're upset. Yes, and and I'll be honest with you, Alan. And you know, interested in, in, in the interest of full disclosure, I I turned you down that first night because I it, it would not there, there you wouldn't have gotten anything from me. You would not have gotten anything from me. Uh, you know the you know, the, the night that uh, a lot of this news broke. We're for what? We, what are we? Ninety six hours out, and I I still feel the same way. It's it's still difficult to you know to to, to formulate a, a logical thought about this process because nothing that they've been doing seems logical. Well, if we go back to last Saturday, the rumors were that it was going to be Ty Lue and Frank Vogel as your lead assistant, and then they were going to fill it out with a lot of other good NBA you know assistant coaches, and mm-hmm. that as a Lakers fan was perfect. You know, Lou, while he's not an elite, elite coach, he's a very good coach in the NBA. His makes offensive sense. schemes are fantastic. Makes sense with a fit with LeBron. If you actually heard him talk about the likes of Lonzo, like Ingram, he loves him. He obviously f- thinks Lonzo's going to be a very good player, which is what you need. You need a coach who's going to be fully... And to transition to the coach in a little bit, Frank Vogel being the head coach, which is what's looking like it's going to happen right now, is not the worst thing in the world. Frank Vogel's a very good head coach. He had a bad situation in Orlando. These guys missed a lot of games last year. Like, if you look at Vucevic and Fournier, these guys who led their playoff charge this year, they missed, like, over 25 games, both of them last year under Frank Vogel. So it's not like Frank Vogel had, like, a glut of talent to work with, but he does have issues, like all the coaching candidates do at this point. But it's just to the fact that Jason Kidd is a legit candidate for this head coaching job. Lionel Hollins and Mike Woodson are legit coaching candidates for this job. And as much as I respect Lionel it's... Hollins for the for the job he did in Memphis, he he's not cut out for the regular for the new way basketball's played. 
there's a reason why those guys those guys are currently available. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean any disrespect because they, they've done a great job over the course of their careers to stay, you know, you know, whether it's starting off as players and working their way, you know, like, you know, throughout the ranks and coaching. So I, I'm not taking anything away from them. And I mean, absolutely no disrespect. But there's a reason why some of those older coaches are available because the game has changed because the game has moved on. Now, that's not to say that those guys can't still be quality assistants because there there's there's definitely still, you know, still some, you know, uh, some value to that. But I will say this. From the Frank Vogel side of things and 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 uh, I we talked about it before the show, you know, the the reports came out this morning that <clears throat> you put, you know, uh, he's very much in the mix uh, potentially, but then again, we heard the same thing for Ty- about Tyron Lue before that, and we heard the same thing about Monty Williams before that. But right now, as of right now, currently, he's very much in the mix. He reportedly put his house up for sale. I'm not saying that that's a he's a bad choice because he's not because I do I also agree with you that Frank Vogel can be a good coach. I like the run in Indiana. I was perplexed a little bit by you know what took place in the, in, in Orlando. I appreciate you reminding me just how much uh, you know just how how uh, hit by the injury bug that you know that you know they were you know they were plagued because I was I thought like you know honestly when I when he went there the, I thought they would they would they would do better and then plus the fact that Steve Clifford goes there this year and and they make that run it may, it may have left me with some questions. So I say all of that to say. Nothing wrong with Frank Vogel, but if you're still also going to, you know, put a bunch of coaches on his staff and force him to, you know, then kind of capitulate to, you know, to, you know, to your whims, I don't know, you know, I don't know if he's ever really even going to get a fair shake at it. You know, again, if, if he's got people in the mix, like, you know, like say they say they say the kid has to be on the staff. If he's got people in the mix that aren't necessarily working, you know, like, you know, you know for the betterment of the team as much as they're working for their own personal advancement, I don't know if he's ever really going to get a fair opportunity. Jason Kidd, as a head coach, has developed a reputation, whether it be right or not, he's developed a reputation of being a backstabber and of being a guy who's very power-hungry. You really think you put him as a lead assistant coach, that one second it starts to go wrong, he's not in Rob Palinka's office going, we need to get rid of Frank Vogel, make me the head coach? This is a guy that openly opined for the position when Luke still had it last year. He broke the cardinal rule that that head coaches don't do. He he he's obviously interviewed for the position. Of course that would that's you know that's what would take place. And quite frankly, you can't, hey Rob, I'm going to speak to you right now, Rob, because again I know you're listening to this Lakerside chat. Uh, you can't have two little fingers in the mix. Don't like you can't have two of you doing what you do. So think of that. Think about that, please. Well, I think we're an organization of little fingers at this point. Yikes! This is literally the Game of Thrones, man. <laughs> it's, it's not a good version either. It's like season eight. <laughs> oh, oh. But, but, oh. but honestly, honestly, I, I I don't get it because any decent NBA franchise would see. Okay, they had Jason Kidd, Milwaukee last year. They were at forty-seven wins, forty-six wins. Mm-hmm. They've gone to being from that and getting bounced in the first round to being arguably the best team in the NBA. Yeah. Um, I mean, now part of that is roster composition because they, they did do a better job of putting, you know, more shooter, additional shooters around, uh, you know, around Giannis. But I fully agree. I, like, I don't even want to trash Jason Kidd because look, what's crazy about it is Jason Kidd is one of my favorite players to ever play. Like I, I came up watching him and loved his game, but as a coach, 
in these or in, in in this type of setting in this in this type of situation just absolutely no and, and and to be honest with you the fact that he went in and was able to sell them in the room enough to believe that he's you know a, a player de- you know a good player development coach is just absolutely absurd to me and actually leads me to think man these guys are uh, even more confused than i initially anticipated they obviously don't realize that if, if you if you read what any coach says the head coach doesn't really have that much say. Obviously, he has a big say in how the player develops and what traits he wants him to develop. But the actual player development side is done by all his assistants. Now, so if you want to ask Jason Kidd, who who did you use in your player development? That's a completely different argument. And to be honest with you, I feel like the Milwaukee franchise and their coaches did a very good job in developing Giannis. But also, at the same time, it doesn't mean that he's solely in charge for Giannis becoming arguably the best player in the NBA. Giannis became Giannis because he had this in his, the entire time. It's yeah. just it's just he's been allowed that time to develop into being the Greek freak. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not because like they of course it, it, it took a big leap of faith to draft this kid from the Greek second division. But if mm-hmm. he didn't have the ability in him to get this good, he would never have got this good, in my opinion. I feel like that's just a natural progression with basketball players. You'll get to how good you're supposed to be. And if you work less, you'll get a little lower. If you work harder, you might get a bit higher than what your ceiling is. Well, actually, actually, can I can I can I interject just a little bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, here's one for you. I think that's true to a point. I think circ- improved circumstances in a better situation for you can can you know can can certainly escalate that and cert- cert- certainly you know speed that process up. Evidence by like, and here and here's one for you. Draymond Green, when he was playing with you know Mark Jackson, he was you know scr- you know scrappy guy. You know came off the bench, you know did some things. Draymond Green in Steve Kerr's system with the you know with the ability and capability to you know fully just you know go for it, uh, utilizing him in ways uh, you know in ways that even Jackson had not. You're taking it to the next level. Completely different player. Hall of Fame. You know eventually Hall of Fame player. The best eight point a game scorer I've ever seen in the NBA. <laughs> They, that's hey, what Draymond they, Green is, and hey, people hey, people look, say that's no. a slight, but it's not not at all. He's fantastic, and last night evidenced that as well. Again, Draymond Green is, I think, absolutely on your, on his way to the Hall of Fame. And oh. the biggest thing for me is look at what the likes of Golden State did. Look at what Milwaukee did. They didn't go for these established names who just come out of jobs. Mike Budenholzer, while he was an established name, they realized that look at what he did with Atlanta. It's not that he did a bad job with Atlanta. Atlanta wanted to rebuild and he yeah. wanted to be a title contender. So they had yeah. a difference of philosophy there. So he went and found himself a title contender. Steve Kerr was a fantastic. He left, obviously, his president of basketball ops job with the Suns, but he was fantastic at it. And he had a track record of being good at previous jobs. So he got the job as head coach and then surrounded himself with the likes of Ron Adams with Mike Brown now, who's on the staff, who's ex-Lakers head coach, surround himself with the best assistant coaches. That's the path that the Lakers should be taking, not... Okay, let's see. Giannis is really good right now. Who was his coach? Because <laughs> that's what it seems like. Yes. The, the, you know what they're doing? They're doing like like what the NFL does. You know what I mean? Like we're yeah. oh okay, you know we've got this quarterback. Who was his high school? Who was his high school quarterback? Or who was his high school coach? Or who was it? Who who worked for him? Who worked well with him in college six years six years ago? That's Good luck with that. Good yeah. luck with that approach, man. 
Good oh, luck with that approach. Or when you're trying to find a replacement QB, you go, okay, who works with the Mannings? Let's find this yes. random QB from Duke University. But that's a that's something else that we could talk about for ages. My biggest this the next topic is out of all the candidates that you would like, uh, who who sorry available, who would you like to be the head coach of the Lakers? Like it's very slim pickings, obviously. And I'll throw another name out for you, Ettore Messina. Now, obviously, I talk to some people and I, I can't corroborate the information 100%, but it is from people that I trust. Ettore doesn't want to even interview for the job. That's crazy. Look, if I'm a Spurs assistant, because like this has been talked about on the timeline, you know, the you know, last couple of days, you did, you know, you, you shared those thoughts with me, you know, as well. But and it makes total sense. If I'm a Spurs assistant, why would I want to be a part of this? Why would I want to leave an organization that has been, you know, uh, you know the, the the height of stability and you know keeping things together? Excellent. Yes, they've had their they've had their their ups and downs because they've lost some players and they've had some tiffs, but they've they've been able to maintain it and keep it going. Why would you want to leave that and jump into this frying pan? Absolutely, and it's just getting to the point where. We've been we've been talking for a while now, and it, we I think but, we could talk for a, another two three hours about this, and but, I don't but think like it will be enough. But you know, I, I didn't I didn't fully answer your question. My you know my my top choice honestly would be tucking your tail, uh, swallowing your pride, going back to Lou and saying, "Our bad, our yep. bad. What is it going to take to get this done?" That will be choice number one. If you can't do that, or if Lewis completely moved on, or if somebody else comes up and swoops him up, hey, you know what? You lost out. Then, okay, Frank Vogel, as we you know, as we kind of talked about, he's not a bad choice. He there's at least you know there's at least a chance that he can get this together. And you know what? Especially if you allow him to build a strong assistant uh, assistant staff that doesn't include spies for yourself or people that are just going to poison the well. So. Mm-hmm. I guess that would be the second, you know, the, you know the, that that would be my second choice. My my choice, while he hasn't interviewed for the job, would be Tom Thibodeau, but don't give him any power in trying to recruit players. Zero. Yeah. You it, just it, you just let him coach. If you let Tibbs coach, and LeBron respects him a lot, so it's not even like you have to worry about the LeBron factor because LeBron appreciates him from his Team USA days. Yeah. That is the perfect guy for the job. However, I feel like he would butt heads too much with that organization. So I feel like they realize that and they don't want to go anywhere near him. That's, not, that's, that's the vibe I get anyway. So I apologize. Not only that, but uh, if you're Tom Thibodeau and you're coming off a situation where you wanted player you know, influence, you wanted the ability to you know, influence the, you know, the front office, do you want to then, you know, not just not have that, but have a, you know, have a front office that's literally sticking their finger in your eye and saying, no, no, you know, we want it this way, we want it that way. I'm not, I'm not trying to poo-poo the idea, but part of me just thinks like, you know, that might be a situation where Tom Thibodeau is on the opposite end of the scale of where the Lakers would want their head coach to be, in just, terms of having overall influence. Absolutely, but when I look at, you know, like the guidelines I'd want for a Lakers head coach under LeBron James. I want someone who has respect from LeBron, which Tom Thibodeau obviously has if you read all the reports. Yeah. Can Tom Thibodeau develop young players? Yes, he can. Absolutely. If you look at Derrick Rose, I know Rose got injured. Jimmy Butler, Joachim Noah, 
Carl Anthony Towns developed a heck of a lot under Tom Thibodeau. Andrew Wiggins is a different matter, but there's reasons why. If you look at any decent young player, Tom Thibodeau has always maximized them. Always. And to me, that just shows how good a coach he is. As, as, as an executive, that's a completely different argument. But just purely in a coaching standpoint, I don't feel like I, I feel like Tom Thibodeau would be the perfect candidate if, like you said, I feel like T Lou's moved on. I feel like he's not coming to this mess of an organization. May I throw a devil's advocate uh, uh, opinion out there about Thibodeau and his development? Go on. So I agree with you. Those guys definitely develop. But given the fact that, and you know what? Sometimes you have to call a spade a spade. Given the fact that some of our young guys are already very injury prone, and by some I mean every single one of them, um, <laughs> seemingly, um, do you want to throw Tom Thibodeau into the mix when he, it, it, it's, it's established? He grinds players down to a pulp. Yes, they're going to get, he's going to get the most out of them, but he grinds them. He's, you know, they, they, like, have, they, like, does that not at least cause you, cons- you know, some sort of concern with this, with this particular group? It does, but at the same time, if it's between Tibbs and Jason Kidd, I'd rather take that risk yeah. on Tibbs. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair enough. That, that was literally one of those where I was like, as soon as you said it, oh, oh fair enough, fair enough, got it, got it. Tibbs or Lionel Hollins, Tibbs or Mike Woodson. Yes, yes. My biggest yes. thing is, though, if I'm Jawan Howard, I never have any type of uh, contact with the Lakers again. He was supposed to be the third choice. Well... According to reports, yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's it. See, and that's the thing. Like when it comes, to, and it's important that I think that we that we acknowledge this. We hear these reports, and yes, we we have to go by what we hear, but we also have to acknowledge that they're not always accurate. There's oftentimes when when reports come out, and you kind of alluded to this, you have to follow the chain. You have to follow like you know which reporter is whether it's directly associated or loosely associated with which source. You know what I mean? So, I, you know, so my, my only reason for stating that is I don't necessarily know that that Juwan Howard was ever really the third candidate. It just, but but there are certainly a lot of different people out there that would benefit from him from his name being mentioned as a third candidate for this position. Uh, if that makes sense. Absolutely, we covered that. Let's just go on to the last topic. Let's touch on this. All right, free agency. Knowing what we know now, LeBron James. Is working his well, not officially, not people can't corroborate it, but mm-hmm. people, multiple people have said that he was in Philadelphia working with, working on Kawhi Leonard. We've heard uh-huh. a lot of buzz, especially the last twenty four hours, about Kyrie and LeBron potentially reuniting. I, I honestly, if the Lakers do get a free agent of that caliber, I just, I don't know. The front <laughs> office won't realize that it's not because of them. The only reason they would have came to LA. Is because of number twenty three, and while yeah. that's a fantastic thing, it also covers so many cracks within the organization. It's unreal. Uh, which is, oh, I'm sorry. Go on, go on. It was, it was well, the point. I, I was just going to feedback on that, which is also the reason why, to be honest with you, I st- I just don't think one of those top top guys is going to come. Not unless they, not unless they they, they, they look. They're gonna have to do some Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones writing, uh, in like just you know, quickly, you know, you know, wrapping things up in order to you know put themselves into a position where literally. Ne- so this is the thing. Like I, I heard folks coming out saying like, oh, they still have time. They don't have to hire a coach anytime, you know, right away. There's we're still months away from free agency, folks. If you don't realize that free agents talk all throughout the year, but specifically right now 
even even when they're in the mix in a playoff series, then I'm sorry. I've got you know, like I, I don't know what to tell you because the decisions aren't made in July. There's a reason why you know such and such at 12:01 at, at at the de- you know at the opening of in any um any conversations, you know so many people are already ready to go you know, when it comes to you know like ha- having contract offers. It's because these conversations are taking place right now. So again, I you know not not to continue to beat the dead horse, but the organization has to get this stuff in order because none of these guys are going to come. If you know, even with LeBron doing his best work in terms of uh, of recruiting, none of these guys are going to come unless they know, hey, you know what? There's at least some stability there. Because uh, here's one: if you're a young guy, what you know? Yeah, you may look at, hey, I can link up with LeBron right now for these next couple years. But if you're going to sign like a four or five year deal, wouldn't you want to know that you're going to have a stable organization to play for beyond LeBron? Absolutely. If I'm a young guy, I tie my future directly to LeBron. If if I'm a Kawhi or a Kyrie and I decide okay I want to go play with LeBron, I go I'm signing a two year a three year deal third third year being a player option. So you take out the fourth year that LeBron took and you just go three years because then you know at least you'll be there when LeBron is there and if the incompetency continues you can just leave when LeBron leaves. That's what I would do. Whether these guys would do it, whether the money would be too lucrative to leave that fourth year on the option, that remains to be seen. However, you know, if if you are a, if you are a free agent that wants to come and play with LeBron, that's how I'd do it anyway. You know, it's it, and it's just it, it's just a sorry state that we're in. The fact that we are having to actually discuss whether we'd even get a mid-tier free agent. And by mid-tier, I don't want to slander Chris Middleton whatsoever because oh, no. I feel like, I feel like Chris Middleton's a very very good NBA player. It's just that he's not the caliber that we were promised, and. If I'm Anthony Davis, I'd rather stay in New Orleans than come to this situation in Los Angeles. It's crazy. People don't want to hear this, and they may see it may come across as though, oh, this is just two Lakers fans sitting here whining, you know, whining about their circumstances. And yes, to a certain degree, it is the case. But this, (laughs) look, I I also quoted look the the great Bomani Jones, who, quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, one of the best to ever do it in this field. If I I, I genuinely believe. He often says because he he enjoys uh, he enjoys laughing at at our expense, and I get it. This is who you are now. This is who we are now. Yep. And it's such a shame. And just to round things off, as fans, I I, w- I want to just commend the people that tried to change things. That they tried to start a protest in front of Staples Center. Did it go the way that we expected it to go? No, not really. But they're actually trying to make a change. And I've seen a lot of negative press about them protests. But I also respect the people a heck of a lot because they've tried to make a difference. They've tried to make a change. And there is positive things to like. Like LZ Granderson, who's on ESPN LA. Oh, yeah. He he pointed out some... We are a dumpster fire, don't get me wrong. But we're so close, and I, that's the biggest frustration with us. We have LeBron, we have Lonzo, we have yep. Ingram, we have Kuzma to a lesser extent to Ingram and Zo. Mm-hmm. We have cap space. We're in LA. Yep. It's so close to being changed. This whole situation. And that's the biggest frustration. If we were a 20-win team... Our fans, while we are impatient and while we want success and while we want to win, 
which no doubt every NBA fan does, regardless of what team you support. We're also realistic as well as Laker fans, which you saw a lot during the Luke Walton and Byron Scott years and the last year of Mike D'Antoni in LA. If, we, if we're a 27-win team, we're a 27-win team. But you know what? If you guys play hard, we'll support the hell out of you. Of course. And so- it's just a case of we don't like... It's, it's a different thing. Of course, we don't like a losing product. But we can bear with it if there's a plan. This incompetence, however, we cannot bear. And if any franchise, if any supporters can bear this type of incompetence, well, I'm sorry, but you you, you don't like sport for the right reasons. <laughs> <laughs> All That's of those. I were, see it. No, I, I'm 100% with you. So here, here's one for you. Elsie made a great point. He made an excellent point, you know, like in order to tie it, you know, tie it all together. It isn't all just doom and gloom. They do have all of that going for themselves. But one of the, the one of the final points that he made, because I, I, I happen to listen to him as well. You know, LZ's a great LZ's also very good at what he does. And it, across the board, anyhow, we're, I mean, we're, we're, we'll get off of ESPN guys right now. But was he said they have the brand and here's the deal. Yes, they do. They have all of that. They have LeBron. They have L.A. They've got the young players. They've got cap space. They have the brand. But here's the trouble. They're pooping all. And I edited for you. (laughs) They're they're defecating all over the brand. And that's the biggest uh, uh, sense of frustration. That's what causes the most frustration. The Lakers right now are a Bentley on four flats. Yeah, that's a beautiful car. But can it go anywhere? Can it get you anywhere? Time's gonna tell, but right now that that that's where we are. And we'll end on that beautiful point. That that was very eloquently stated. Jabari, I want to thank you big time for being on the podcast again. I know we overran a little bit, but <laughs> we just got so heated and so not in a bad way, but so emotional about the situation. I feel like it was a great chat. And uh, can you just tell the fans and the listeners where they can find you on Twitter and stuff like that, please? Alan, thank you very much for the opportunity. You, you, you know, like I said, like I, I turned it down the other night only because it, it would have been even less coherent than, than, than my blathering on this show. But I will I will say I appreciate it. It was a little bit more therapeutic than I anticipated just to talk about these things. That said, thanks again for this opportunity. You can find me on Twitter, Jabari Davis NBA. Um, you can I, I I'm uh, the co-host of the Hot Takes and Shot Fakes uh, podcast. That's uh, you know through the NBA.com and Hoop Mag. Uh, you know some of my materials on 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 either of those sites at times. Uh, but really, Twitter is the best place to find me. And uh, maybe uh, Alan will invite me back to you know whine a little bit more moving forward during the summer. Uh, that that's that's without a question. I'm holding you to that now, my friend. It's not a problem. Uh, you and Harrison Fagan have now said that, so you you both forgot to come on to wine a bit more. <laughs> Harrison's the man. Both of you are. I just want to appreciate it. I appreciate it one more. I want to thank you another big time. Like I said, tr- truly my pleasure. This, this, this has been a lot of fun, as, as was the first time. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as well. Got another couple coming out, hopefully, when we announce the head coach. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great weekend. Peace.